All right, let's, let's pray right now. Jesus, I thank you for the breath in our lungs and for the health that we enjoy. And I, I thank you for a great place to live and do ministry. I thank you for an amazing group of people to do life with. And I thank you for your grace that makes all of that possible. Jesus, we have a lot to ask you for. We pray for, for you to raise up leaders for our student ministry and to raise up leaders for our small group ministry. We have a lot to ask you for, Father, for, for the lost in these neighborhoods and, and schools around this church to be one to faith in Christ and to be built up in their new faith and, and equipped for every good work that you would call them to. Father, we have so much to ask you for, for, for marriages to be helped and, and families to be equipped to parent kids well. And we have so much to ask you for, Lord, for, for bodies to be healed and, and lives to be restored. And Oh, Father, we have so much to thank you for that through Jesus Christ, you've given us entrance into your forever family. I pray that as we read your word this morning, that you would help the one who speaks and help those who hear to be moved along by your Holy Spirit, that we might grow in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. For I pray through Jesus. Amen. If you grab your Bible and turn to Colossians 1, we're starting this year studying the book of Colossians. And so I want to read... Colossians 1, 9 through 12. It'll be on the screen as well, but I encourage you to follow along in your copies of God's Word. And listen, as I read this, remember, this is God's Word to us. Hear His voice. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. The word of the Lord. Many years ago, when Metro Diner first opened in St. Augustine, there was a man I was meeting with, and I was discipling him. We would meet for breakfast every week at the Metro Diner. It was brand new then, and we noticed that our server was really, really good at her job. I mean, she was top shelf. And we asked her, after going there for, for several weeks, we asked her, listen, this is obviously not your first job as a waitress. And she said, oh, no. No, I've been a racist for many years. In fact, I work for Metro Diner. They send me to all their new stores to train their staff in the DNA 
of customer service that Metro Diner wants to have. You know, I go back to Metro Diner and I notice that, that their waste staff is still really, really good. I mean, they're so busy, but they do a great job. Why? Because someone passed on the DNA of what Metro Diner expected of their servers. Listen, this morning, we're going to listen in to the Apostle Paul as he passes on to the church at Colossae, a church that he had never visited, that he didn't plant directly, but a church that he wanted to pass on the DNA. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And you know what his strategy is? It's not to create a, a conference. It's not, to, it's not to have a program. It's to... Pray. It's so simple. Pray. What we're going to learn this morning is pray, like the Apostle Paul, for fruit-bearing disciples. That's our point, and it's going to be our action step this week as well, to pray for fruit-bearing disciples. Now, we're going to answer three questions in this passage. The first question is this. What, what does this passage even teach us about prayer? We'll answer that. Then we're going to answer the question, what does this passage give us to pray? And then third, we'll answer the question, what power does this passage give us that would enable us to pray the way the Apostle Paul prays for fruit-bearing disciples? So what does this passage teach us about prayer? Well, it's a prayer, and Paul models for us some important things about prayer. You guys like sandwiches? A few months ago, I had a message illustration about Chinese food, and a lot of you went out and you got Chinese food that afternoon, so listen, you may want to go and get a sandwich this afternoon. I love sandwiches. The best thing about a sandwich is it has two pieces of bread, and all the fixings in the middle. It has goodness on both sides. And it's the same with the Apostle Paul's prayer. See, prayer is a prayer sandwich. It begins and it ends with what? Thanksgiving. And sandwiched between the thanksgiving is the intercession, the requests. So Paul, in verse 3, he starts out thanking God. I thank the Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. And he sandwiches that thanksgiving with another piece of thanksgiving at the end. Look at verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father. And in between... In verses 9 through 11, he is going to intercede. He's going to pray for the church. Now listen, that's an important thing that we all need to learn about prayer. Is that prayer is both thanksgiving and intercession. And a good practice is to sandwich your intercession between thanksgivings. It's, think about this. How many of you parents, 
If you have a child and that child only comes to you with requests, they only come to you, Dad, I need this. Dad, I need that. Mom, you've got to take me here. Mom, you've got to take me there. You say, Dave, you just described my life. I'm sorry. Listen, what you can do is, listen, include, we all want our kids to ask us for things, but we would love it for them to do what? Say please and thank you, right? But what about this? What if you had a child and they never asked you for anything? They just remained distant and cold, and they didn't come to you and ask you for advice. They didn't come to you and ask you for help. They didn't come to you and ask you for things. You would start to think that maybe there was something wrong in your relationship. And it's the same with our Heavenly Father. He invites us to say please and thank you, but He calls us and gives, you, gives us the promise that we can ask him for definite things. Prayer is a sandwich. It includes both thanksgiving and intercession. We expect it in our earthly relationships with our fathers here and our parents here. We should expect it in our relationship with our heavenly father. And that's the second thing we learn about prayer in this passage is that the person that we talk to is our father in heaven. Now, we here in this country have grown so, so, so accustomed to hearing our Father in prayer. We've grown so accustomed to calling upon God as Father that we, we take for granted the incredible privilege that we have in prayer to call God our Father. It was Jesus who taught his disciples in Matthew chapter 6 and in Luke chapter 11 to pray the Lord's Prayer, which begins, Our Father. And those men never recovered. It changed everything. And the Apostle Paul, when he passes on the DNA of prayer, the prayer that we're to pray for fruit-bearing disciples. He says, pray to your Father. Oh, my hope and prayer for you is that you would never recover from the privilege that you have to call God your Abba Father. What a privilege you have. That prayer is the privilege of a son or a daughter to call upon their heavenly Father both with thanksgivings and intercessions. So that's what we learn about prayer. Now, what does this passage give us to pray? What does this passage give us to pray? Well, the meat of it is in 9, 10, and 11. For this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, in, in that prayer, first, 
we pray for fruit-bearing disciples. You see that in, in verse 10. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We pray for fruit-bearing disciples, but we pray for fruit-bearing disciples because we want the people to come to know God intimately, personally, closely. Do you know God like that? In the New American Standard, it's the, they translate the word knowledge. Do you notice if you have a copy of the New American Standard with you, you'll notice that there's a little footnote. The Greek word for knowledge is epigenosis. And there's a note. It says that it could be translated the full knowledge. The full knowledge. That this isn't just mere head knowledge, but this is a full knowledge. And the Amplified Bible gives this note. This epigenosis, this full knowledge of God is a fuller, deeper, clearer insight, acquaintance, and recognition. Is God moving in your life in such a way that you are growing more and more aware of his real, full, deep, powerful presence in your life? Are you growing in your awareness of the presence of God in your life? Are you taking the full life of God into your, the center of your life? Is that what Jesus is doing in your life? If it's not, ask him. Ask him to help you have that full knowledge of the love of the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Ask him for it. He's given us the opportunity to pray for fruit-bearing disciples. And a fruit-bearing disciple is a person who first and foremost knows God. Do you know him? Do you know him as the infinite personal God who's come to us through Jesus Christ to make himself known in a real way in our lives right now? We pray for fruit-bearing disciples who know the Lord. We pray for fruit-bearing disciples who express the love life of a follower of Jesus in three ways. A disciple loves Jesus. A disciple loves Jesus so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him. What happens in the life of a follower of Jesus is that a new affection a new priority, a new love for Jesus moves in. And when the a love of Jesus, the affection of Jesus moves into the center of our life, his love begins to push out all the lesser affections that so easily capture our affections and draw us away from God. We pray for fruit-bearing disciples who fall in love with Jesus Christ. Can I ask you, 
have you ever, have you ever stopped doing anything simply because you love Jesus? Have you ever started doing something simply because a new affection, a new love for Jesus Christ has moved into your life? A disciple walks in a manner worthy of the Lord, seeking to please him, expect, express love and affection for him in everything. A disciple loves one another, loves others in the body of Christ. How? By using those gifts and abilities that each one of us has been given to bear fruit in every good work. That God the Holy Spirit has moved into the church to gift us with every gift and ability we need to serve one another in love for the bearing of fruit. So that we can be the means by which we show the care and love of Jesus to one another. Oh, I'm so glad to be a part of a church that I'm not alone I'm a part of a community. I'm part of a body. And within this body, I am confident that Jesus has given us every gift we need to provide for our needs as we seek to love one another with every good work that a disciple of Jesus has been gifted and called to do. But it goes even beyond this body. Because look at what it says next. Increasing in the knowledge of God. We don't want to just have the knowledge of God and keep it to ourselves. We want to increase the knowledge of God. We want others to come and know how great our God is. And so we not only love Jesus and love one another, but a disciple, a fruit-bearing disciple, loves the lost. You ever think, why am I here? Like, I don't mean just like existentially, why am I here? Like, not some deep, deep thing, but like literally. Why, why do I live where I live? Why do I go to school where I go to school? Why do I work where I work? Why am I on the club team that I'm on? Why am I here? If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a disciple, you're here because there are people in your neighborhood and in your school and on your team and in your business who need to know about the love of Jesus. And a fruit-bearing disciple wants more than anything else to see the knowledge of God expand beyond them. Oh, I pray for fruit-bearing disciples so that in Markland and in Palencia and in Bannon Lakes and Trailmark and Windward Ranch and the Oaks, in all of these neighborhoods that are filling up the land in our community, that all of these homes would have the opportunity to have a fruit-bearing disciple living next door to them. Someone who would be able to share the gospel with them and invite them to follow Jesus. I'm praying for Tekoi High School and Nice High School 
and Ponte Vedra High School. And I'm praying for Pasetti Bay. And I'm praying for Mill Creek and Wards Creek. That there would be fruit-bearing disciples in each of those schools that could come and that could go and take the message of the gospel to all those schools. So the world isn't waiting for professionals to do it. The world is waiting for the church to do it. And I'm praying for every club sport and for every team in this community and for every business in this community to be filled with fruit-bearing disciples who can multiply their life by winning the lost and building believers and equipping workers so that we can multiply fruit-bearing disciples. How are we going to get there? Paul tells us the place to start is to Now, where do we find the hope, the power, the faith to be able to pray like that? Where is the power source for it? Well, the power source isn't in us. Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of all the saints in light. Oh, are you ready for some gospel dynamite that can blow up the unbelief of your heart? That can blow up the stagnation that you feel living in this lost secular world? Are you ready for some gospel dynamite? You have been qualified by Jesus Christ if you're a follower of his. The good news of the gospel is not that he makes disciples who are busy working for him so that someday, maybe, if I'm a really faithful disciple, someday maybe I'll be qualified. No, the good news of the gospel is that you start qualified. There are thousands and thousands of thousands of students in this county who are waiting. Every day, they open their email, and they're hoping to see the acceptance letter. You are invited to attend the University of Florida. You are invited to attend the Florida State University. You are invited to attend Harvard or Yale or Princeton. You maybe even are invited to attend the Presbyterian College. People are waiting to know that they're qualified, that they meet the requirements of grades and SAT and ACT scores and extracurricular activities. And you know, we don't grow out of it. Because some of you wake up every single morning with the nagging question, am I enough? You've been hurt by people in the past. People have walked out on you and you wonder, maybe it was me. Am I enough? You wonder, am I qualified? And it sends your heart on a relentless pursuit of more. More recognition, more success, more pursuits, more busyness. The gospel can tell your heart, you are qualified through Jesus Christ.
you are accepted and beloved by God the Father, not because of your performance, but because of Jesus Christ's performance for you. You have been qualified to become an inheritor of light. No more wearing yourself out to try and measure up and merit the qualifications you need. Because you'll never make it. Matthew 5, 48 tells us that, the, that we are to be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. What does it take to be qualified? It takes perfection. I'm out. I came into the world out. I inherited a sin nature from Adam, and so did you. We were all on the outs with God when we came in, but we've all found new and creative ways to break God's heart. That's what it means to live in darkness. But the grace of the gospel is, though none of us were perfect, one was. His name was Jesus, and he lived a perfect life for you, and he offers his perfect record as your qualification. Not only does he offer you his perfect life as your qualification before the Father, he also has paid the dark, awful penalty that our sin deserves by going to the cross for us. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, and he rose from the dead to prove that the penalty had been accepted, the payment had been accepted by the Father. And that everyone who stands before the Father qualified by Jesus with his righteousness and his penalty paying sacrifice on the cross will be qualified by the Father. That's what will enable us to grow in steadfastness, perseverance, and prayer for fruit-bearing disciples. You're already qualified. You're already accepted. We're not working for qualification, we're working because we're qualified. Do you see the difference between religion and the gospel? Are you believing the gospel? Are you believing in Jesus? Listen, if you never have, won't you? John 1 verse 12 says, As many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called children of God. Right where you're sitting, right now, you can do business with God and you can tell him, Jesus, I have sinned against you in many ways and I am sorry. I believe you died on the cross for me and rose again from the dead. Forgive me all my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. Come into my life as Savior and Lord and help me become the person you want me to be. You can do that right where you're sitting. Come up after the service. I'd be glad to assist you. I'll give you the opportunity at the close of this message to receive Christ as Savior and Lord. But listen, do you know him as your qualification? Are you rejoicing in the work of the gospel in your life as a follower of Jesus? A fruit-bearing disciple understands the gospel and rejoices in thanksgiving for what Jesus has done. 
Paul couldn't help himself. Immediately, he says, giving thanks to the Father. How's it with you? Several years ago, there was a conference of churches and international ministry organizations that gathered together for a, an additional meeting of what's become known as the Lausanne Conference. It's called that because the city in which they meet is Lausanne, Switzerland. It's been going on for many, many years, and they come together to pray and to strategize and encourage one another in the work that's left to be finished of the Great Commission. At this particular conference, several years ago, they addressed what they believed to be the most critical thing for the finishing of the Great Commission, and it was this. They looked out at the global church, and they saw that even though a third of the world's population claims to be a follower of Jesus, claims the title Christian, we, as followers of Jesus, are not bearing the fruit we should be in our own lives being transformed by the gospel and other people's lives being invited to follow Jesus through the gospel. What was their solution? Their solution was this. We call the churches we represent and all churches everywhere to pray for all those who are Christians in name only, that they might come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ and pray for a spiritual awakening of nominal Christians, a strengthening of the weary and struggling, and a renewal of our commitment to disciple all those who bear the name. And I am inviting you this week to jump in with these men and women in calling the church to become fruit-bearing disciples. I'm inviting you this week to join me in praying Colossians 1, 9 through 12 for yourself this week. Take the passage, write it in your study, write it out. It'll make the scriptures more real to you, but pray it. Pray it for yourself every morning this week. Begin to pray it for your spouse and for your children. Pray it into your home. Pray for them to have a full knowledge of God as their heavenly father. Pray for the gospel to go down deep in their heart and life. Pray for our church that we would have many, many more fruit-bearing disciples who are walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him in all respects. Pray Colossians 1, 9 through 12, into your small group. Pray it into your business and your school and pray it into your neighborhood. Oh, God, increase the knowledge of your love in my neighborhood, in my school, in my business. Oh, give thanks. Give thanks as you see the Father working in your life, working in your home, and working in your neighborhood, and, and working in your school and, and business. Thank Him that you have been qualified to be an inheritor of light in the gospel. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that 
you would be pleased to bring glory and honor to yourself. For this reason, since the day I heard of this church's faith, I have not ceased to pray. For Good News Church, and I ask that this church could be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Jesus, I pray that we would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please You, Jesus, in all respects that we would bear fruit in every good work and we would increase in the knowledge of God. Father, strengthen us with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. Increase joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. If you're here this morning and, and you've never been qualified to receive the inheritance of light, won't you put, put your trust in Jesus Christ right now? Won't you say to him, Lord Jesus, I have sinned against you in many ways. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. Forgive me of all my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. Come into my life as Savior and Lord and help me become the person you want me to be. Holy Spirit, would you work in hearts right now? Would you work in our hearts to give us a desire to pray? Would you work in our hearts now to give us the power to begin to pray? Holy Spirit, would, would you bring to our mind and heart right now the place where we are going to pray this week for us and for our church to become fruit-bearing disciples? Would you show us that place, Father? Holy Spirit, would, would you show us the people that you want us to be praying for this week? Impress them deep in our heart. Jesus, would you, by your Holy Spirit, help us to have insight into the places you want us to take the gospel? Father, I thank you that you haven't left us alone, that you've sent the Holy Spirit to encourage us and to help us, and you've given your church to one another. Strengthen us, I pray, to the praise of your glory and grace. Amen.